Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Unbreakable with Jay Glaser, a mental health podcast helping you out of the gray and into the blue. Now, here's Jay Glaser. Welcome to Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glaser. I'm Jay Glaser, and today we have a very, very inspiring special guest. And before we get to him, if you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in this country experienced mental illness last year. Yet, far too many fail to receive the support they need. Caroline Behavioral Health is doing something about it. They understand that behavioral health is a key part of whole health, delivering compassionate care that treats physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Caroline Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. And with that, I'd love to welcome in a very special friend of mine, very special guest, one of the most inspiring people I've ever talked to in my entire life. And we sat down recently and up here at uh, Soho House in Malibu, and we ate and we cried and we ate some more and we cried some more and we ate some more and we cried some more. But oh my God, welcome in, like I said, a, a very close dear friend of mine, Kevin Hines. How are you, buddy? Thank you, Jay. It's so great to be here with you. Uh, I, I feel blessed right now and I'm very grateful. Well, man, you feeling blessed is, is a great, great to hear. And listen, your story is remarkable, incredible, uplifting, shows people also that, man, life can change uh, in an in instance in several different ways. So I want you to, I don't want to take, take up more by introducing you and your story. I want you to introduce you and your story. Um, take it away. Absolutely. So uh, a lot of people know, well, a handful of people know that uh, in the year 2000, uh, because of bipolar depression, the very same brain disease both my birth parents had before me as I'm adopted, uh, I was genetically predisposed to it twice, and I did get diagnosed with bipolar depression, psychotic features at 17 and a half years of age. And that's when I had my first complete mental breakdown. And I didn't know what to call it, Jay. I didn't know what the symptoms meant. I didn't know 
they were. I didn't know how to articulate myself about them. So what I did when I dealt with those symptoms is my family knew I was unwell, but they didn't know why. None of us had dealt with this kind of scenario before. And I buried and silenced all of my pain. I, I quieted my paranoid delusions, my hallucinations, auditory and visual, my manias, my depressions, my panic attacks, the heart palpitations. I just shut it all out. And I didn't tell anyone the severity of my symptoms because I didn't know what they were or how to talk about them. And that, and, and that led you to, well, I want, I want to quickly go into it. That led you to while we're here and then kind of backtrack to it. Yeah. So that led me to attempting to take my life at 19 years of age off the Golden Gate Bridge, the, the most frequented spot for suicide in the world. And I believed that you died upon impact. And frankly, most. So people, you did. So you jumped. Off I the Golden Gate Bridge. Would leave off the Golden Gate Bridge in an attempt to take my life at 19 on on September 5th of the year 2000, 23 years ago. You said what day did you say? September 25th. Okay. Yeah, and I, I I went to the bridge, and I'll never forget Jay the ride to the bridge. This is very important because I sat on a on a crowded muni bus in San Francisco, sitting in the very back row in the middle seat, looking out upon what was a hundred or so people that boarded this bus, and all of them were going to visit the Golden Gate Bridge to experience all of its beauty and revere and 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 they were and splendor. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that part. Right. Yeah, they were, they were all there to wow. take pictures and be with family and go for hikes and walks and bike rides. And they were loving. And I get on this bus and and Jay, all I wanted was for one person to stop me and say something to the effect of, hey, kid, are you okay? Brother, is something wrong? Or pal, can I help you? I had made a pact with myself. And I don't know if you know this, Jay, but it's very common. People make pacts with themselves who are suicidal. And it's a pact, and it basically is instinctual. And it's if then. If one person says or does this, I will. If one person says or does this, I won't die today. And my if then was if one person says, are you okay? Is something wrong? Can I help you? I would tell them everything and beg them to save me. And I would not jump. Wow. And I'm on the bus. And, and, I, and I realize we're getting closer and closer to that destination. And I'm crying my eyes out. I'm waterfalls blowing from my eyes. And a hundred people are staring at me. And then Jay, I don't know if you know this, but I began yelling aloud on a crowded bus filled with people at the top of my lungs. Leave me alone. I don't want to die. Why do you hate me so much? What did I ever do to you? At the voices I was hearing in my head. Wow. All the hallucinations that I still have today that were telling me I have to die. Wow. And if you've never, Jay, if you've never heard or seen visual or, audit- or heard auditory hallucinations, imagine your earbuds are on, your headphones are on right there. And instead of that playlist of music or that book you're listening to or that podcast, right? You hear a person or people's voices in your head telling you to do things that you absolutely don't want to. Wow. But you believe them to be in charge. I didn't and know I, this part either. Yeah, you know this. And Jay, I always say this, the voices would win the day. The bus gets to the Golden Gate Bridge Parliament, but not before the man to my left, after I'm yelling at my voices, turns to the guy next to him, points to me with his thumb, with a smile on his face while laughing at my pain. What the hell's wrong with that kid? Oh. Abrupt, loud, audible for everyone to hear. Now everyone's really staring at me. And I turned and looked at him. And I was I felt broken, Jay. I felt absolutely broken. I would love for people to hear this now and say, and ask yourself, Yeah. Would I be the type 
to laugh or would I be the type to help? Mm. And if you're the type that you know would laugh, let's change that about ourselves right now. Mm. If you're the type that you know would help, love yourself up for that right now. Because you may have saved someone's life already and you have no idea about it. Go ahead, Kevin. Thank you, Jay. So basically what happened is the bus got to the Golden Gate Bridge. 100 people deboard the bus right there with their fanny packs that were multicolored and zippered and their foreign accents from all over the world and their cameras that weren't phones. And they they really were there to experience the splendor and wonder of this bridge. And I was there to disappear forever. I got off the bus. But before I got off the bus, Jay, this is also important. I looked to the bus driver to stop me. I looked him in his eyes and waterfalls are flowing from mine. It's obvious I'm crying. My eyes are red. And he goes, come on, kid, get off the bus. I got to go. And I looked down. I was like, all right, man. I walked down those two steps. And I walk across the two-mile stretch of walkway that is the Golden Gate Bridge for the next 40 minutes crying like a baby. Bikers, joggers, runners, tourists, patrol officers searching for suicidal people all went by me at least twice. Mm. Now, to be fair, Jay, those officers had not been trained in the year 2000 in suicide prevention. They are today. I've trained many of them. And today those officers save between 50 and 120 lives every year. And that's incredible. He did not have that protocol for sure. me. Right? So I get right. we, did, we didn't talk about mental health back then. And oh, no. It's, no. it's hard to recognize. And I still I, think we're a ways away. But at least having these conversations now, it's light years ahead of that. So I get to a particular light rail. A very specific light rail, which I will not name, but I I know very well even now. I stood over that light rail, and I profusely cried my tears to the waters below. And a woman from my left approached me with a big smile, giant sunglasses, and I thought, this lady's going to ask me if I'm okay. I don't have to do this. I don't have to die today. And she approached. I waited for the, are you okay? And then she pulled out a digital camera and said, will you take my picture? And I couldn't believe it, Jay. I was like, you got to be kidding me. She doesn't see the pain I'm in right now. Maybe it's maybe the sun's in her eyes. But I left the fate of my life in a complete stranger's hands, and that was a mistake. And that wasn't her fault what happened next. I took her picture several times, about five times. She took her camera back, and she walked away. But she didn't walk away 20 yards off the bridge. She walked back across again the entire two-mile stretch of walkway, which is what people did at the ninth wonder of the world, the Golden Gate Bridge, every day to experience all of its glorious beauty where I was there to destroy all of mine. Jay, when she walked away, I said to myself, absolutely no one cares. The furthest thing from the truth. Let me articulate that even further. Today, about half an hour ago, I finished a talk in front of 2,000 high school students. And when I asked those students, by an honest to God raise of hands, had any of you seen me that day on the bridge, 19-year-old young me, ready to take my life, ready to leave my family forever, how many of you in this audience would have cared? 100% of the audience, both students, staff, and counselors, raised their hands. That's beautiful. Right. It's it's gorgeous. And we can say that about anyone, but we can't get the help we need if we aren't willing 
to ask for it and exhaust that ask until we get it. Because it's not everyone. Right. And you not, weren't asking for help. You were hoping somebody recognized it. Right, exactly. You were crying for help, but you weren't asking. I wasn't asking. Big difference. But I was also, Jay, in complete denial of my disease. I don't have this illness. I'm not flawed. There's nothing wrong with me, you know? And so in that denial, I lied to myself. I lied to my family. I lied to my friends. And I almost died because of it. Mm-hmm. So what I'm here to say, Jay, is to your audience, to everyone that listens, views, watches, subscribes, don't learn the hard way like I did. Mark. Beg, plead, and ask for help whenever you need it to everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be everybody that comes to your aid because not everybody is willing or able to empathize with that kind of pain. Period. Some it's people just aren't equipped. Right. Some people can't do it. Some people don't have the empathy. They can't make. They can't shake it. But by the sheer probability of the number of people you turn to, someone will be willing to answer your call. And Jay, I can prove Great that. Great message. I can prove that. Right. In the last 23 years since my attempt off that bridge you see behind me, I have been chronically suicidal for 23 years. It doesn't happen every day. It happens often enough, Jay. You understand. And those chronic suicidal ideations, they're insidious, they're insepid, and they perseverate in your brain, and you feel like you can't get the loop out of your head. When that happens, I do exactly two things every time. I find a mirror, Jay, in any room. I find a mirror wherever I am. I look in that mirror, and I say, first, my thoughts do not have to become my actions. They can simply be my thoughts. And the second thing I do, Jay, is I turn to anyone in front of me, and Jay, If I was feeling this way right now, if I was suicidal right now, which I'm not, I would say to you right now, four effective, purposeful words. Jay, I want you to repeat them after me. Ready? I I need need help. Help now. Now. Okay. So how would I how would I support you there? Right. But first of all, do you know how hard that is for some people? Sure. It's so hard to look someone in the eyes and say, I need help now, and then describe what you need, right? Um, but I do it every time, everywhere I go. And in, in 23 years of being suicidal, I've done that to people all around the world, sometimes who I don't know from Adam. And they have stepped up for 23 years. People have stepped up and kept me safe from myself. Now, I'll be here. And so here's, yeah. but here's my question. And again, we're about to get to Kevin's story also where he does jump. So I know people are saying, hey, what happened next? But more importantly, how would I support you right there when you say to me, I need help now? I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. 
that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So this is crucial, Jay, for your whole audience. It doesn't mean you have to put them in a psych ward or you have to uh, call the police. Now, that's, if that's necessary for an acute situation, I get that. I've been there. Ten times psych ward stays myself. I get it. What I'm saying is I often need somebody to sit beside me and listen to understand, not to respond. I don't need your advice. I need to know you're there. I need to know you got my back. So, But how would I do that? How would I say, what would I say to you? Like, I want to get specific. What would I say? Would I just say... Yeah. Kevin, how can I help you? What is yeah. that? What does that look like for yeah, you right this, now? Yeah, this is what it looks like. What do you need from me right now? Okay. Meet them where they're at. And then I would I would also say this. I would say, look, hey, I care about you. Maybe you even love the person. I love you. Right. Here are three questions I'm going to ask you right now because I am very worried. But I want you to be 100% honest with your answers. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to accept anything else. And I want you to know. I am not going to judge your answers. I'm going to be here for you. Are you thinking of killing yourself? Have you made plans to take your life? Do you have the means? That does not put the thought in their mind. If it's not already there, that's a myth. It gives them permission to speak on their pain. And Jay, a pain shared is a pain halved. So if you say to me, yes, I am planning. Yeah. Is my action to then say, okay, then we've got to go get you help now? Yes. We've got to call 988. We've got to call 988. We've got to text CNQR to 741-741, the crisis text line. We have got to reach out to the mental support systems we know and love in our lives. If we're, if we're the kind of people like you, Jay, who, who does this work on a daily basis on top of the other work you do in sports and fitness, like it, it's in martial arts, it, you know, you, you find the people that you know in your life have the resources, have the tools, have the ability to share information with someone to get them to a safe place. And you know, uh, but and if you say no, I'm not looking to kill myself. I just need to voice it. I want to act like I would. Okay, well, I'm here for you. Yeah, yeah, just, I'm here for you. I love you, brother. 
I just sit right here and I put my hand on your shoulder okay. and I listen. I listen. Or I'll give you a virtual hug. Right. Yeah. All right. Now take us to the bridge. Absolutely. So, so the bus gets to go and get bridge. Everybody deboards. I go, I find that light rail, leaning over that light rail. The woman comes up. I take her picture. She walks away at that moment. Jay, I said to myself, absolutely no one cares, which is, you know, is the greatest lie I've ever told given what I just told you earlier. Uh, everybody cared. Nobody knew where I was or what I was doing. And then I leapt off the Golden Gate Bridge after hearing a voice in my head saying, jump now. I did. Hmm. I fell 240 feet, 25 stories. Wait, wait, wait. So yeah. on the way down, 240 feet. Yeah. How many stories? 25. What is racing through your head as you're descending? What have I just done? I don't want to die. God, please save me. I called out to God. Really? Yep. So yep. the moment you did it. Moment. You, I had a instantaneous regret for my actions and the 100 percent recognition that i just made the greatest mistake in my life and it was too late Jay, oh my for, god yeah for 99 percent of the people that have left off that bridge it's been too late in 90 years nearly a century of that bridge being open okay 99.9 percent of the people who've left off that bridge do not exist 39 individuals in 90 years have survived that fall 26 remain alive today many have died of natural causes of old age 19 have come forward to say after I did, they all had the exact same instant regret that I had. Five of the survivors. Every one of them. Wow. Five of the survivors, including myself, get the privilege to stand, walk, and run. They call us the most exclusive survivors club in the world. Wow. In the water, Jay, as I wait, flailed. Wait, wait, wait. Hold yeah. on a sec. So you hit the water. Hit the water. How did you survive that? Well, and and I, what, what do most people die from? Is it the... Uh, impact the, in the water is it there's tens of ways to die off the golden gate bridge jay they're mostly very quick and violent i i'd rather not get into like the severity of it because it's i don't want people to uh ruminate on it mm -hmm. uh, that could be dangerous but i would say this um there are, is one way to survive that fall and all of the survivors have survived in the same way which i'm not going to repeat i don't want anybody to mimic that activity right. yeah but most people, what people don't understand is most people die upon impact in very, okay. very, very violent ways. So you've got to land a certain way that you don't really have control over. You have it's no not like somebody can go, oh, I can do this. In the, yeah. no, you have no control, which is why most people die. Right. Yeah. Okay. So this vacuum sucks me under 70 feet beneath the water surface because of the velocity at which I've fallen. Right. You hit the water, Jay, at 15,000 pounds of pressure because of the velocity at which you fall. I go down 70 feet. I open my eyes. I'm drowning and I don't want to. And I'm freaking out. I swim in any direction. I'm going down. My eyes begin to bulge. My ears begin to ring. I knew I, the pressure. I shot the opposite direction, the surface, as fast as my arms would take me. I could not feel my legs. They were moving. It was the fastest I ever swam in my life. So all I wanted to do was live. I got closer and closer to the lit circle of water above me. And I started to convulse. My head started going back. My eyes began to roll in the back of my head. I remember thinking, I can't die here. If I die here, no one will ever know I didn't want to. No one will ever know I knew I made a mistake. I break the surface of the water. I bob up and down in it. And I did the one thing I've had control over since kindergarten. I prayed. God, please save me. I don't want to die. I made a mistake. On repeat. And he heard me. A woman driving by in a red car at the moment of my attempt. Saw me go over, called her friend from her car phone in the year 2000, called her friend in the United States Coast Guard. The only reason the Coast Guard boy arrived behind me was because of that woman's phone call. Wow. At the timely manner which it did before I would set an hypothermia and drown a very few-minute window. 
That's shark infested. It is shark infested. And so I'm in the water and I'm kind of, I'm going down. I I think I'm going to drown. I think this is it. This is where I go. I can't get to the surface. Right. And that's when something began to circle beneath me. And I thought, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. I didn't die jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge and a shark is about to devour me. And I take my right hand because it's the only hand that works. And I'm starting to push this thing and it won't go away. It's wow. Certainly faster and faster, faster and faster, faster and faster. No longer am I wading in the water or treading in it. I'm lying at the top of my back, being kept buoyant by this creature, thinking that it's a nice shark. I've named him Herbert. The creature turned out to be no shark at all, Jay. It turned out that when I surfaced, the only reason I surfaced was because this creature was bumping me to the surface. And I was on a television program a year later promoting a suicide prevention campaign in San Francisco on ABC News. I said to the show... I thought there was a shark beneath me in the water. People wrote into the show from all over the world went viral online. One man's letter stuck out of all the rest. His name was Morgan. He was from Las Vegas, Nevada, and he was on the bridge that day with his mom. And he writes to me and he says, Kevin, I'm so very glad you're alive. I was standing less than two feet away from you when you jumped. Until this day, no one would tell me whether you lived or died. It's haunted me until now. By the way, Kevin, there was no shark. Like you mentioned, you thought there was on the show, but there absolutely was a sea lion. No way. That That is my friend Herbert right there. No way. Let's see. That, that's Herbert right there. Okay. Yeah, that's Herbert. And Herbert saved my life. This no creature, way. This creature that didn't speak my language. And was that's God only, right there. Was the only, your bet, was the only animal that saved my life that day. And it did not leave from beneath me until I heard the Coast Guard boat murmur behind me. And then it took off like a bat out of hell. Coast Guard fishes me onto a flatboard. They secondarily save my life. They get me to the hospital. Tertiarily, the doctor there, one of the foremost back surgeons on the West Coast, saves my back, went into my left side, 23 staple scar across my left side. No amount of McDermott is going to make that go away. And he went in there. He restructured my shattered vertebrae with titanium, titanium plates, titanium cages, titanium pins, the whole nine. That, that surgery, never been done to anybody before, never been done to anybody again. He invented it for me. And How, and how, many, how many injuries did you sustain from that? T- shattered my T12, L1, L2, and I, f- I sprained my right ankle, just a sprain, oh. right? And so uh, it was a four-and-a-half-week recovery in the physical hospital. I went from a wheelchair to a walker and a back brace to a back brace and a cane, then right into my first psych ward because you can't just call him after that. And, Jay, this is not even the kicker, okay? So – my dad calls me one day, uh, and I don't know the date. I'm not paying attention to the timeline. It's a year to the date of my attempt at the exact time of my attempt. My father calls me. I'm going to the same city college where he dropped me off the day I went to attempt to take my life the year before. He picks me up at the exact same spot he dropped me off a year before when I went to take my life. We get, I get in the car. We're driving. He goes, Dad, where are we going? He said, we're going for a drive. I said, okay, Dad. So we go and we're driving down 19th Avenue and then Park Presidio. And you know, it goes only to the Golden Gate Bridge. I'm like, dad, I don't want to do this. He goes, Kevin, we need closure. I'm like, you need closure. I need to go and lay down. I didn't say that. He's six one. I'm not. So we, we pull over at, at Clement. He says, pick a flower from that flower bed. It's a purple tulips with gold pollen inside. Beautiful flowers. I said, dad, that's the police officers union building. There's police bikes, police cars, and police officers in their dress blues in the windows. I'm not going over there picking a flower. In San Francisco, you get arrested. He goes, pick a damn flower. So I picked the flower. We go to the Golden Gate Bridge. I'm frantically shaking in the car. I'm having a panic attack. My heart's palpitating on my chest. We get to the bridge. He says, show me the exact light rail. 
I knew exactly where it was. I took him to that light rail. He held my hand. We said, in our father in a Hail Mary, we dropped, he said, drop the flower. I dropped the flower. He walked it down very slowly, made the tiniest of ripple effect in the water. And immediately upon that ripple effect happening, two feet to the right, popped up a sea lion. No way. Yes. Wow. Yes. It was the most beautiful God moment almighty. ever spent with my father next to him being the best man at my wedding. And there was no other choice. All my friends were pissed off. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. So how many lives do you think you've saved as a result of this? Oh, brother, I don't count. I, I, I'll tell you that. Well, I'll tell you this. I know for a fact that we, we've, we've done data on some of it. My team has. I, I don't really do it. But we, we've done data on some of it. And over the last 23 years, literally a couple hundred thousand people have reached out to say that this story, somehow they heard it, saw it, viewed it, saved their life. I don't say I save lives. I'm a conduit. I give a message. You go home, they do the work, they're saving and changing their own lives. They hear a message that inspires them. It's the inspiration that leads them to change. So I, you tell me how you feel about this. When I've tried to help with this situation, I've tried to villainize suicide. I don't want to glorify it. And then it's too glorified these days. I think, you know, we see our, and this is like the power of suggestion. We see somebody commit suicide. We all have this outpouring of love. And people who are going through shitty times go, well, my life sucks right now. That person's getting so much love. Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing. So I try and villainize it. So I used yeah. to tell people, all the time, hey, listen, life's about our choices. First life choice is life or death. You've got to choose life because it's selfish not to, because we're just leaving people with our problems. And that's me trying to villainize it. A lot of people re- react positively to that. A lot of people say, that's bullshit. You shouldn't say that. You wouldn't say it's selfish if you have cancer. It's a disease. But I'm trying to villainize it. What is, what's your view on that? I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I believe suicide is is never the solution to our problem. It is the problem. I believe suicidal ideations are the greatest liars we know. We don't have to listen to them. That's why your thoughts don't have to become your actions. They can simply be your thoughts. I also believe, Jay, that suicidal people, suicidal ideations and actions are not selfish. Because if you are, if you are being selfish... You have to know you are hurting other people. It has to be malicious. People who die by suicide or attempt are in a world of what's called lethal emotional pain. That lethal emotional. Okay, Jay, look at it, look at it like this. What is the, say this out loud. What is the, say what the response. What is the one thing you want to happen when you find yourself in excruciating physical pain, which you're in a lot. Relief. What is, what is that pain? What do you want? You want that relief. Pain? Right. You want it to go away. Mm-hmm. You want it to end. You want it to sure. stop. Right. That, right. Right. So, so that's physical pain. I argue that brain pain here is 300,000 times worse physical pain you've ever experienced. I'm in crucial, excruciating physical pain most days because of what I did off the Golden Gate Bridge. It's painful. My, my back right. is with metal. It hurts. It hurts all day. You understand that more than most. Right. So, but, but you understand also, like the other end of it, is there's yeah. a lot of us with that extreme pain, a lot of us with problems. Yeah. And I'm trying to take, and they're different, right? But we all, we kind of think, men our problems are the same as that. And yeah. that's why for that group of people, I'm trying to, who have the choice. Yeah. I'm trying to villainize and say, man, it's selfish because you're leaving us with that pain. Don't do that to us. And I think it's more for that group of people. I, I understand. And there's other group who you're in the other group where, man, those roommates in our head, they're just going, they're, they're going to win. I think that we need to teach people, and I do it all around the world, is that your suicidal ideations are not your fault. They're not selfish in the sense of selfishness. They're actually millions and millions of people have them. Right. So people have these thoughts. Yes. yes. Correct. And I include myself in that, but again, I'm not going to do it. I'm not not going to leave you with that. Right. Right. Let's normalize the fact that we have these thoughts, but let's have a purpose-driven point together to say we can help you get past these thoughts your pain does not have to defeat you in suicide instead let your pain build you brick by brick from the ground up until you're stronger than ever you jay have been through a lot of pain i've been through and go through we go through a lot of pain we're still here let us be light lighted examples for people that are considering taking their lives and help them recognize no it's not selfish but it's not right it's not the right option you have so many other options. Let's count them. Well, how about this, Jay? And, I, we don't, and, I, and what you're saying, too, is like, I don't need to use tough love all the time. No, you know? no, no. And, and that's kind of how, you know, yeah, that's why I've, you know, we're in this, what we're trying to do now. Also, we're all works in progress. That's why I want to learn. 
I'm, I like to learn from people like you so I can know, okay, what, what is the proper way? What is, well, I don't know if there's a proper way. What's a better way? What's a, you know, a common ground if we, if we can, as we can grow and how I talk about it, how a lot of us talk about it. I never want to shame anybody. I never yeah, want to no, try I, to do that. Right. And earlier, earlier you said committed suicide. I, I, I'm not going to tell you what to say, Jay. You got your own thing going. I would say people die by suicide. Die by suicide, right. Just like they would die of any other organ diseased. People forget that the brain is an organ. In fact, it's the single most powerful organ you wield, mostly on automatic mode, controlling every action, inaction you take, decision, indecision. For lack of a better way of saying it, Jay, if your brain is malfunctioning, there goes rest of you. And as your friend DJ says, we're all projects, right? Mm-hmm. We're all projects. We're, we're, yeah, we're work, in progress. Works in progress. We're all Absolutely. projects. We have to put in the work. So you're in the hospital after. What changes do you make immediately or start to make? Yeah. So you don't make this same decision again. So I have to be really frank with you, Jay. I didn't, I didn't come to the realization that I needed to change for three years after that jump. Hmm. I was in and out of psych wards for those three years. I was a mess, Jay. I had my physical rehabilitation. I had my first psych ward stay. I got the hell out of there. I didn't want to go back. I went back a year later, went back a year later. Third psych ward stay, involuntary, forced in against my will those three times. But Jay, the next seven psych ward stays, I walked in there and said, I need to be here or I won't be here. What changed it? The moment that things changed. Maybe this is my unbreakable moment, okay? The moment things changed. Really, this was visceral. My Uncle George on my mom's side, my favorite uncle on my mom's side, comes into the hospital on a special admit against visiting hours. He's allowed in because somebody needs to shake me to my core. And he comes in with a rolled up magazine in his right hand. He says, Kevin, your family and friends can help you until we are blue in the face. But until and when you take 110% responsibility, young man, for the fact that you have this disease and you fight it tooth and nail every single day, kid, ain't nothing going to change. You'll be in and out of these places for the rest of your life. Is that what you want? I said, no, Uncle George. And he, he literally said, well, get it together, kid. We're counting on you. And he dropped the magazine, walked out of the room and said, read it. And I was like, you're not my favorite uncle anymore. I, I yelled that. He was already gone. I reluctantly picked up the magazine and unfolded it. A Time Magazine article, 2004, on how to battle bipolar disorder, depression, mental illness with routine and regimen and win. And I was like, wait a minute. You're saying I can do these things and I might actually feel better for for once? Why did my first three psychiatrists routine was a good idea? I go into my room. I read the article through and through. I come out of there. I put words into action. I change every aspect of my life. I began, I was pre-diabetic. You made that cha- You made that choice to change. Yep. Made the I was, decision. I made the cognitive decision. I was pre-diabetic. I was uh, nearly 300 pounds. I was, uh, I was a mess. I was lying in therapy, every therapy session. I was all over the place. I began telling the truth in therapy every time, all the time, about everything. I began exercising rigorously multiple times a day with just using the surfaces in my room. There was no gym in the psych ward. Right. I began, I cut the weight. I began, I went to my case manager. I said, I'd like to, uh, to have some therapy with my father. I think there's something there we need to talk about. He told me his story. I understood why he was so hard on me. We came to a connection, okay? I went to the nutritionist. I said, what do I do? I'm, I'm overweight. What do I do? Yeah. She said, you should stop eating four unhealthy meals per one meal a day. You're ordering four meals per one meal. And they're all unhealthy foods. Stop it. And I was like, that's, uh, that's a good idea. <laughs> I changed every aspect of my routine, which I didn't really have one before, right? 
I woke up at the same time. I went to bed at the same time. I took my pills at the same time. I, I exercised at the same time every day. In therapy, I, I told my truth. It relieved so much for me. Would I be in seven more psych wars days for suicidal ideation? Yes, because I fell off my routine or I messed up or I relapsed or whatever the situation was. But I walked in there and said, I need help now. And I got it. And today, Jay, I travel around the world and I share my story. And, and people of all walks of life come up to me and say, this story changed me or saved me. And that's the most incredible feeling on the face of the planet. And it's the most cathartic thing I've ever gotten the privilege to do. And I'm so grateful to be here with you, Jay. Thank you, brother. It's being of service. You're a beautiful soul who is doing amazing things from your seat there. And you are changing the world. And it is it is empowering. And it is incredible. So keep it up. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Listen, you're being of service, right? And that's one of the things I have. You know, these pillars that I talk about, what, you know, helps the roommates in my head talk nicer to each other. And it's for all of us. I mean, if you're of service to others, the gray hates that. It fights through that gray. Nothing bad could come from you being of service to others. Yeah. And it's, the other thing you're doing is you're now building that team where you were doing it by yourself and you yeah. were expecting a team to just poof, magically, yeah. right? magically appear. You're <laughs> now seeking out that team. You're now telling people, hey, I'm struggling. I'm this. And, you know, when you and I first met by you just – Open up and you open up, obviously, there's certain things differently we say a little private, right? There's obviously, but you really laid it on the line. And that's you building your team. Yeah. Right? That's you opening up, building your team. That's what happens, folks, when you yeah. open up to others. And I've said it here, every time I've opened up to my friends about this, none of them has told me to suck it up or, oh, come on, Glaze, your life is great, stop. And my life is great, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but between my ears sucks. And I didn't sign up for it. You didn't sign up for it. Right? But there are things that we can do. We don't have to let the gray win. We don't have to let it push us off that Golden Gate Bridge. There's things we can do if we recognize it, if we see it, or if we make that decision that you're talking about to get the help. We can survive the gray, Jay. Damn right. We can survive it. You know, right. on your team, you're on my team. I need no to doubt. bring Glaze on my team. Hell yeah. <laughs> Put him in, coach. Put him in. I like it, brother. Kevin, I appreciate you, man. This has been <laughs> just incredible, dude. Thank you so much, man. Before I let you go, is there any other quick story you want to tell that, man, may blow us away or may help people? Yeah, you know, real quick. So I'll try to condense this. Third psych ward stay, I finagled my way into volunteering for the hospital I was staying in, which is unethical and illegal. I'm wearing civilian clothes in a psych ward where everybody else is wearing hospital gowns. Right. And I get a tap on my left shoulder and I turn around and it's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. And I knew she'd be the rest of my life. I quickly said, don't, don't tell her that. That's, that'd be awkward. And she's looking for her cousin who's in the hospital because of meth, methamphetamine use and other drugs. He's overdosed. I had helped this kid come out of catatonia. He couldn't move. He couldn't talk. I, I told him stories until it elicited a response. Nobody else, not the staff, not the patients, helped this kid. He was starving in the hospital, literally. They'd bring him his tray of food. They'd take it away full. I broke my heart. I got him out of catatonia. I got him to eat. And I meet this woman, his cousin, and it was magic. And we go into his room because I show her where the room is. And I'm, 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 in like, I'm in like worker clothes. And she turns around and goes, your nursing staff is so nice to her cousin. <laughs> and he goes, that guy, that guy's a fucking nutball. That guy jumps off bridges. Don't talk to that guy. And I ran in the room and I said, it was one. One bridge. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. Long story short, Jay. 
She gives me outside of the psych ward a first date. It's a debacle. I get marinara sauce all over my white shirt. I get lemon in her eye. She's crying. Mascara's running down her face. She looks at the band Kiss of the film The Crow. I get hot boiling butter on her chest. I try to wipe the butter off her chest. Oh, right my God. She goes, what the hell are you doing? I said, I don't know. But, Jay, somehow this beautiful woman gave me a second date and is now the love of my life, my very best friend, and my wife has been teen years. Thank you, Margaret Hines, for saving my life every time I'm suicidal. I will be there for you for the rest of my life. I know you will be there for the rest of mine. Amazing, Bob. Absolutely amazing. And like, as you know, man, I'm 53. I finally found love. Yeah. And it, you never know where it's going to come. You never know. I just, you know, did something recently. You're one away, right? You're one conversation yeah, away. You're one phone call away. You're one chance meeting away. That could just change your life, right? Just one. That's why we have to have faith because you never know when that one's going to come, right? Yeah, faith is important. I have faith in God, you know, and that. You too. Yep. Some people don't. That's fine. We're not yeah. pushing. That, you know, that's that's our choice. That's, that's our, our choice. choice. Yeah. We want you who don't have that faith. Have faith in yourself. Mm-hmm. Have faith in the human condition and the idea that you can change your pain to purpose, and you can always, no matter what, survive that pain. Yeah. Look, and I choose to have faith because you know it's my choice. I just feel I'm not alone. I have a best friend, best friend type parent with me and God, and that helps me. That's my choice. Doesn't hurt me to do. Doesn't hurt. Try yeah. a little faith. If you don't want to, you don't want to. Again, we're not pushing it. Yeah. Oh, hey, Kevin, man, I love you, dude. I'm so proud that you're my new teammate. And like I like to tell a lot of my guests here, I'm so proud that we're walking this walk together. But you, my friend, to be able to walk this walk is incredible. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, brother. Love you. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 